Alright, so we're talking about spiritual gifts. I'm going to talk about two spiritual gifts today. The first is hospitality and the second is evangelism. And hopefully this will um, help and empower and encourage and enlighten you in some way, shape or form. There you go. So if it's some sort of benefit, that's a win. Um, Let me tell you about a famous um, house designer and builder and he would go as far as he would design these houses and then he would build them, these incredible places for people to live and then he would paint them. And by the time it was finished, single-handedly, these houses would be absolutely incredible. And he was working on this one particular house on the street front, just down the road from a school where these kids were. Um, And he got to the point when the house was designed and it was built and it now needed to be painted. And as he sized it up to paint it, he noticed there were some children walking from the school going home. Just little kids that were walking along and they stood next to him and they looked up at this house. And he turned to them and he said something he'd never said to anyone before. He said, I've got to paint this now. Would you like to join me? Would you like to help by painting it? And these little kids, their eyes kind of really glow. This is amazing. He said, well, come this way. And there was a number of them. And he opened up his van. He got out brushes. He gave them each brushes and he gave them a pot. He said, choose your colour. What colour would you like? And they thought this was incredible. And so they chose reds and yellows and greens and purples. And they had their little pot full. And he goes, okay, now just go and paint the house. And they did that look, you know, the look that kids give when you're like, you've just told them they can do anything and they're like, no, this can't be true. And they rushed towards the house and then they got stuck into it. And they spent all afternoon painting and painting and as they painted, there were other children that came past, older children, who they saw what was happening and said, can we be part of this? And the kids who were painting said, yes, come in, grab a paintbrush and grab a pot and let's, let's paint. And so the first round, the paint was up to here on the walls and as the older kids came on, it, it gradually got done. But there was paint everywhere, not just on the walls, but on the windows and the doors and the garage door and the grass and the pavement and the path and just everywhere, just paint everywhere. And at the end of this, it was a, 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 this escapade with so many kids painting the house. The master of the house stood back and he looked at the house and he had this, this nod. And as he did this, some parents uh, walked up and they said, um, see what you've done. It's, it's kind of, on one level it's wonderful, but on another it looks like a paint factory has exploded. What were you thinking? And at this point, one of the kids rushed out and said, what do you think, what do you think? And the parent reservedly does that. Ah, that's lovely, as parents do. And then one of the kids said, well, this is the master's house, but he's let it become our house. And so this is a fable or a parable for the way God works. That God says, I have set my kingdom up, but I want you to be involved. You are so welcome to be involved that it should feel like it's your house too. Yes, I'm the king and this is my kingdom, but this should be your kingdom to enjoy and inhabit as much as you like to contribute to in the ways that I've geared this up. There is a hospitality that sits in God's heart that welcomes people to join in, to partake, that says, I am doing some wonderful things here and I want you to be involved. I want you you to feel at home in this space. It's the hospitality of God. We see this spiritual gift of hospitality so clearly in Jesus' life. You ever thought about how hospitable Jesus was? That story was Zacchaeus. Now the one like Jesus walks into Jericho and there are crowds of people, they're flocking to see him. They all wanted to see the Messiah, this miracle worker, this wonder teacher. And, um, and as he's looking across the crowd, making his way through, he spots on the other side of the square this little guy climbed up a tree. 
and he looks at the guy and I think the crowd would have just sensed, oh, hang on, he's, he's on a mission now and there would have been a parting of the, of the people as he walked towards and then this sense of relief as they realised the person up the, the tree, Zacchaeus was a tax collector and tax collectors were nasty people. They would steal money, they were hated, they were aligned with the Roman Empire even though they were Jews um, and they would have seen and thought, oh, this is wonderful news because he's going to get it. He's going to get what he deserves because he's taken so much from him. And Jesus walks up to this guy who's up the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down because we're going to your place for dinner. And the crazy thing about mealtime in that day and age is it's unlike it is here. When you ate with someone, they were level, they were equal. And it was quite a, um, a caste system of society and so they were up here and they were down here and the top, the rabbis, never mixed with the bottom tax collectors ever under any circumstances are not only does Jesus offer an invitation? He says, but we're going to do it at your place. I am going to come to your house. It's this incredible hospitality of God. It's, it's, just, it's almost unheard of. And we see that there is this, this warmth and welcoming nature to this gift of hospitality. There is this come and be part of this relationship and this thing that's taking place. It all boils down about how we know each other and how we can enjoy that. When we're in Seymour, and Jill's here from Seymour, which is amazing, um, and Jill was one of the elders when I first arrived at Seymour. It was amazing. And so well, there's a family in Seymour, and you, here we go. If you ever wonder how truthful my stories are, you can fact check it afterwards. Um, so there was a family at Seymour who was so generous and loving and caring that they would constantly be inviting people who were from all different walks of life into their home. And so not just their friends and not just people that it was easy to be around, but people that were more difficult, people that were more demanding, people that were homeless or ostracised. They had foster kids like every weekend and it didn't matter who, it was never a surprise when they said, oh, we had this person over for tea or that person came around for lunch, whatever. And, and you looked at it and, and your first thought was, that's exhausting. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. But they had this gift. This gift to say, well, what is ours is yours and we want you to come and join us and enjoy it. And so they found it not only as a fulfilment, they enjoyed doing it. It's a lot like Mary and Martha in some sense. You know that story where Martha, Jesus is coming around to Martha's place and, um, and Jesus walks in and Martha is like in the space that many of us would be if Jesus came around to dinner. Everything has to be perfect. Perfect meal, perfect the house, all that. and she is working hard, hard, hard to do this. And she looks across the living room at her sister Mary, who has the decency to sit at the feet of Jesus. Does she not have a clue what needs to go on for dinner to happen? And she starts getting riled up and probably a little bit passive-aggressive and then she starts to get more aggressive and passive. Like, Mary, why are you being so lazy? And Jesus, at this point, reveals to her that hospitality isn't about all the frills, it isn't about everything being perfect, it isn't about, wow, having that place to, to live in or to entertain, it's about the heart that, that, that has been extended to Christ, has extended so the hospitality is about enjoying relationships, it's about valuing people and saying, come be part of my mess, come be part of my life because I love you and God is doing something here that I want you to be part of. People with the spiritual gift have this way of, of valuing others, whether it's by a perfectly timed invite, whether it's by a special meal that's created or an opportunity that they enable others into. It's this beautiful gift. 
And we see it in Jesus again, time and time again, he prioritises these things. That, like, that maybe the, the epitome of his hospitality is his Last Supper that he shares with the disciples and he, he sits down with his meal and they, they have the meal and they do all that and then he says, today I'll call you friends. Like You're actually my, my friends, if you're around this table, and we know those 12 disciples, one end was Judas, the other end was, was John, his best friend, or who John said he was Jesus' best friend, so read between the lines there, right? But you had, you had these 12 men who some of them would have been very, very close to Christ and others just tagging along and so forth and, and one even betrayed and he says, no, you're all my friends. You're all welcome at this table. It's the same hospitality God has to us. You're all welcome. It doesn't matter the things, the categories you have in your lives that disqualify you from things or keep you safe from other things. They don't matter in my kingdom. I've wiped them away. The spiritual gift is this, this way of bringing Christ into the room with other people to say something special is happening here and Jesus is here and those people who have it, you know it. You just like, you hang out with them or you go around for a meal or whatever and you're just like, there's something extra happening here that doesn't seem to happen at my place. So I think all the time. This is amazing. I should come here more than having people over to my place because there is a gift of hospitality that's taking place there. They, they love to have people around and entertain them. They always seem to perfectly time the right invite to the right person. It's quite uncanny. Um, the, if you looked at their guest list over the course of a month or two months or six months, it would be expensive. It wouldn't be just a close group of friends. It wouldn't be the same sort of people. It would be a wide variety of people that they've connected with uh, across. And it's all about cultivating belonging in the kingdom of God. Now, when we talk about hospitality, here's what we have to mention. It's quite easy for us to hold back hospitality. There's a ton of reasons why we do it. I think the main reason, well, here's four reasons for you. We feel we've been hurt before. Have you ever offered an invitation and had it knocked back? It's like, oh, that's a bit uncomfortable. Or you hope people would come and be part of your life and, and they're not. And you feel hurt by that. Or your relationship breaks down. You're like, oh, I could no longer extend friendship. It's just not a safe thing to do. Or you feel scared. What if I invite someone and they say no? Or worse, they say yes. And then they come around. What do we do then? I don't know how to talk to them like for two hours. This is going to be... T- I, uh, and we, we, I, it's just too difficult. I, just, I can't do that. Or we go, I'm too lazy. Ah, I just can't be bothered. I know I should. I know it's important. I know Jesus did it, but I can't be bothered. Or the opposite. I'm too busy. Like, I know I need to do it more. I wish I could do it more, but my life is so full. And if that's where you're, you're at, we've got to realise that our, our life is full of the things that are not what Jesus spent his time doing. Jesus never seemed to be busy, he never seemed to be rushed, but he always had time to be hospitable to people, to invite them into his life. It's quite a remarkable thing. We have no right to limit this gift that God has given and placed in this. Now, some of you are sitting there going, jackpot, because I don't have the gift. (laughs) So I hope everyone else that has the gift is feeling bad, but I don't have the gift. I don't have the gift either. Now, here's the bad news for us that do not have the gift. We are still called to be hospitable. Our lives are meant to be come and join in. And so the problem with preaching is that when you preach, you get preached to by the sermon from when you start thinking about it to when you come to deliver it. So you guys get like, what, 30 minutes? I get like four weeks. It's horrible. And so this one was a sense of God saying to us, uh, Ralph Lindell, you're too busy. 
where does hospitality fit in around this? And so Saturday night, um, we, we were just exhausted and smashed, but we'd made the decision that we were going to invite our neighbour, Luke, who I've talked to you about before. I probably should stop calling him Luke because one day he might turn up and you'll be like, you're Luke! <laughs> oh no, what's he said? No, he's, he's a great guy. So we invited him around and he came around for tea. And, and beforehand, it was, it was just like, ah, oh, a night off will be so good. I've got to get ready for today. Today was going to be a big day. And all those excuses that come to mind, right? It doesn't matter. They're all there. But the minute, the minute it's go time, that stuff falls away. And you're like, this is great. And we got to chat and we got to share. And he knows a little bit about my world and stuff. And so we got to talk about faith. And we got to engage in that, that whole thing. And he went away feeling more connected and more belonging to someone and something. He's not a lonely guy but he felt more of a sense of, yeah, I I matter, I belong. And that's what we wanted him to. Hospitality changes people because God changes people through our hospitality. So I want to encourage you in that. This week, who do you need to be hospitable to? Who's been on your heart or your mind for a long time? You're like, I'll get to that one day. Well, maybe this week is that week to, to make that call. All right, we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about evangelism because evangelism is really similar to hospitality. Um, if uh, hospitality, in a sense, is come be part of my life in a way that you host people, evangelism is come check out what God is doing in my life in this way. And I think I do have the gift of evangelism, or at least it's on that somewhere toward the, the strengths area. And so me, uh, talking about Jesus is easy. I love it, it's thrilling, it's exciting, I get to do it on a fairly frequent basis. In fact, since changing, shifting um, uh, where I worked three years ago, I in the first month had more conversations about faith with people outside the church than I had in the previous nine years. And I was just like, my heart was singing. I'm like, yes, this is what I'm, I'm meant to be about. Um, and so on, evangelism is about asking the right questions. We get freaked out. So how do I say the right thing? What if I'm asked the question? All you need to do is ask a really well-timed question. So you can take the, take the, the stress off of like, oh gosh, what do I do? Just think about questions. What question could I ask that would open someone up? So on Thursday night, we have an exercise class here. There's a couple of our friends who've been there for a long time now. We know through Mother's Group. They're, they're not Christians. They came to our East our Christmas service, which was just amazing. Their first time in church, like ever, um, and so they come on the and they come on to this exercise class and we were literally walking like from that corner across this room and, and Laurie says to me, I've been watching The Good Life. So have you guys seen The Good Life? It's a Netflix show and it's about basically what happens after you die. And the gist of the story is they spend a lot of time thinking they're in the good place and things going wrong and they're actually in the bad place getting fooled. Um, and then it flips and they get to the, go to the good place. And so Laurie, I'm going to try and not do a spoiler thing here, right? Forgive me. So, Larry's three episodes off finishing the whole thing, and I finished the whole thing like a couple of weeks ago. And so, so Larry's talking about she's like, and they finally made it a good place, and like and she was just sharing about what happened. I said, um, I said, I don't want to spoil how it ends, but isn't it fascinating how you can have everything you've ever wanted and it not be enough? Was my question to her, and she never thought about it like that. She went, oh. Yeah, actually, and I think in her mind was thinking through what are all the things I, I want? A break from the kids, a holiday, that couldn't be possibly true. Yet watching the show, it becomes really clear in the show that there's, there's an exhaustion that happens when you have everything you've ever wanted. She said, why is that? I said, I think because our lives are designed to be about something or someone else. I said, yeah, have you ever noticed when you help someone out, how do you feel? She said, I feel good. 
Yeah, right? It doesn't matter what their response is. You've helped someone. I said, I think the afterlife's about that. I think it's about being about something else and I think that something else is God. She goes, I've never thought about it like that. And I'm praying that she thinks about it like every moment since last Thursday to next Thursday. It's about questions. The questions we ask allow people to think through and into spaces where they've never thought before. Because why would they? So, questions create a space for God's spirit to start speaking to people and nurturing and thing. And we see that in Philip's life. Philip was this crazy evangelist in the early church and there's this amazing um, uh, um, occurrence early in the book of Acts where we see, um, see this kind of unfold for, for Philip. So, um, he, this is from, I think, Acts 6.26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go to the south road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury in Kandaki, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was on his way home, sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit of the Lord told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So, so Philip started off by asking questions of God. God, what do you want me to do? Where now? What's up now? And God says, see that chariot? I want you to run up next to it and just, just walk beside it. It's a strange request, right? Especially for Philip. Philip was a Jew and there is, it would have been very, very clear that this chariot was not Jewish in any way, shape or form. It would have been very clear that it was Ethiopian and that it was royalty. In fact, it was about as far from Philip's frame of reference in life as it could possibly get. There is no way he'd ever do that. And if he got there and they asked, what are you doing walking around your side? All he had to offer was God told me to do it. Right? He, there's no reason a Jewish man would run up to an Ethiopian royal chariot and run beside it. But God calls those who dare into weird, strange scenarios. You ever notice that? God just calls you into doing things that you thought, oh my goodness, I never thought I'd be doing this. One, a a little while ago I was driving into Burley and I was thinking about a a friend who I hadn't seen in a long time um, who lives in Burley, I just hadn't connected with them, I'm just wondering where they are. And so it just popped into my head. There was no reason for it, I hadn't been thinking about them previously. No one had said anything, it just popped into my head. And as quickly as it popped into my head, it popped out of my head as my mind wandered with whatever. Came into Burley, sat down at a cafe, I was doing some work and I'm about half an hour into sermon prep or whatever I was doing and I felt God really clearly impressed upon me, just pack up and walk around Burley. And I'm like, that's dumb. Like what, just walk around? With what purpose? Where should I go? What's? And it's just, no, 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 All you, you need to pack up and just walk out. And so I, I packed up my staff and I walked out and I thought, well, it's nice to walk along the beachfront. And so I went along the beachfront and as I was walking along, I look up and no kidding, I see the guy who I thought about driving in that morning. I'm like, oh, I get it now, but that is, that is crazy. Like of all the things, I'd, I, I had no idea what was going to happen. But well, and so I went up to him and we started having a chat. The chat got really deep really quickly. And in the conversation, he says to me, he goes, you know, I've been feeling really alone. Like I've been feeling lonely, like I don't have any friends. And then you turn up. (laughs) And I said, well, you know why I turned up? (laughs) See, not only are you important to me, you're important to to God. And so so there's this um, way that God calls us into these spaces that we go, I don't, it doesn't logically add up. I can't make sense of this. We don't need to. We just need to be in that space. Run to the chariot, Philip, just run beside it. I've got the rest. I've got the rest. See, a spiritual gift 
Um, it draws us to hang out with people who don't know Jesus more than people who do. Now, many of you are Christians here. Do not take offence to this, but I enjoy hanging out with people who aren't Christians more than I enjoy hanging out with Christians. Now, I love hanging out with Christians, but hanging out with people who don't know Jesus, that's amazing. I'm like, I learned so much about the world and how they see the world, but also in how God is interacting with them. So, Philip goes, in verse 30, then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading, the Isaiah, reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, we have books of the Bible that we flip open. Back then, no such thing. They had scrolls. And you only owned a scroll if you were incredibly wealthy. And so we find out right from this kind of clue in the passage that the, the government of Ethiopia is a very wealthy government that can afford to have a Jewish scroll given to a Jewish Ethiopian who is reading this on like, like your travel reading. It's like the book you pick up on the way to the airport, right? Because he's going to read something on the plane. So he's reading this scroll and this is the key. Listen to what Philip does. So he's in that space. He hears them reading and this is what he does. He asks a question. Do you understand what you're reading? He says. Do you get it? You see, questions disarm people. They, they create opportunities. They reveal humility. They're far more exciting than saying statements. Say more questions. It's far more interesting than hearing your own voice, hearing somebody else's voice. There's a, a, a Christine Kane who's this amazing abolitionist. Abolin- ab- Did I get that right? Yeah, like, yeah, non-slavery. Abolition. Ab- yes, yeah, A21. So she goes shopping with her daughter. They go to Walmart and they're walking around and the little girl runs up to this shelf and grabs a torch. And she holds this torch and she turns the torch on and then she looks at her mum and says, Mum, we have to go find some darkness to shine this torch into. It's cool, right? That's, that's how our questions are. They shine light into people's darkness. We don't have to know it all. It doesn't rely on us. It creates space for God's Spirit to move. A well-worded question that's thought out, that's caring, that's compassionate allows people to go, oh, I've not seen that of God before without us telling them. Little, little trick, people will be far more convinced about an idea if it's their idea as opposed to your idea. So, ask questions that generate their ideas. I was at, um, I was at a PD the other day. It was with one of the local community groups. Um, and I won't share too much because this is recorded. So, I'm happy to share any details afterwards. This is recorded and so I don't want to sort of jeopardise anything there. But I'm in this PD uh, where I was uh, like a special guest to come and just be part of it. And I was sitting next to a professional who, in the course of the afternoon, was approached by somebody she knew. And the somebody she knew said, how's your sister? And they were talking about this and I gleaned from the short conversation they had that her sister was really sick. And so the, the, her friend left. The friend left and I, I said to her, I go, your, your sister's not well. And she goes, no, she's not well at all. I said, um, how not well are we talking? And she shared that she's in palliative care. She goes, have you any idea what that's like? I said, actually, I, I have. I, I, I'm really quite familiar with that. And she said, oh, you've had someone close to you die. I said, well, yes, but also I'm a, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor. This is part of what I do. She was like, oh, wow, like, like this, there's this avenue and opportunity of, 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 of something of hope that's connected to that that was previously closed off. And then we started talking and, and sharing. I just asked about it. So I was just asking questions, right? I didn't need to know anything, just asking questions. And she comes to the end and it felt like the conversation was wrapping up and I said, look, I just want you to know I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray for your sister. I said, that doesn't mean it's going to be all okay. 
but it does mean that God wants to be so close to you in this situation. And if you need me, you can get my number through, through this avenue and, and you can do that and I'm more than happy to, to catch up and help. But you need to know God loves you and God cares. And there was just, there was this moment of, of like, I so needed that. I don't know what to say to that. That is amazing. I'm completely blindsided by that. This, this kind of look and reaction. And it was this, this beautiful moment where, where the gift ushers us into spaces where we can just say, this is how much God loves you. To be honest, it doesn't matter about how I've performed in sharing that or talking about that. God loves you. I think people with the spiritual gift of, of, of evangelism find themselves in that space where they just want to pray more and more and more for people who don't know Jesus. And so if you find that, you know, I've constantly found I'm drawn to those people at work, I'm drawn to my neighbour, I'm drawn to my sporting body, I'm drawn to those people that I recreate with to pray for them and, and it seems like nobody else cares about them. That's, that's just evidence of this gift alive in you. So, so Philip asks, he says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. What are the chances? Because Philip does get it. He understands it. Philip can do that. And, and spiritual gifts create opportunities for faith to be explored. So you'll find yourself in situations where you're like, what are the chances that this question would be asked of me in this moment for this thing? And so he invites Philip to come up. This is crazy, right? This is like the, the, the royal attendant invites this Jewish man who's kind of scruffy running by the side of the, the track. He says, come on in and share this moment with me. It's such a good question. You see, people are asking all the wrong questions. If you talk to people, they're, 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 not, uh, they're, they're, they're not asking, um, does God love me? They're, they're asking, how do I survive in this world? How do I keep my kids safe? How do I stockpile as much toilet paper as humanly possible? How do I afford to live where we are? They're asking these massive questions and a well-timed question helps them change the questions they ask. So our questions are not only allowing avenues for the spirit to explore, they're actually breaking things open so people can think in a different way. I've done two funerals the last week. I did a funeral on Friday and a funeral on Monday. The one on Monday was massive. It was the 300 people. It was just intense and crazy. The one on Friday was a Russian Orthodox um, family of six wanted me to do the ceremony because they think I'm both Russian and Orthodox. They just said, oh, we think you're the closest that we can get, but we've had fallings out with that church and so can you help us? And in both services, I asked the question, rhetorical question, I said, do you know that God loves you so much as I'm preaching and just is a constant invitation to share life with him? That's the God who loves you, who is here with you in this grief. And people were genuinely taken aback. It was this question, I went, huh, like, what if that's true? <laughs> it's not true. What if it is? Though, how do I know if it's true? What do I need to do to explore that? And of course, they then move toward God. They turn their, their gaze to God. They allow a space for the Spirit to come in. So, Philip does all this. And then, and then he says, then, then um, the Ethiopian says, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? And, and Philip sees this avenue to go, oh, at this point, because you've asked me a question, I can give you 
his testimony. And so he kind of delivers his testimony. He tells him about the fulfilment of who Christ is and what Jesus does and, and has such a profound effect on the Ethiopian eunuch that he says, we should get baptised, like right now. Pull it over! There's a puddle. And literally he gets baptised into the puddle, into Christianity, and they think he is the reason Christianity spread throughout Africa because of his connection to Ethiopia. From a question, do you get what you're reading? Does that make sense? Not even, I can help, let me show you. Is it just, does that make sense? As a prompting and lead from the Spirit. Now here's what I want to say, just like I said with hospitality, it's easy for us to go, oh, I don't have that gift so I don't need to worry about it. And like, and we, but that's, the, the scripture says um, there are people called to be evangelists but then there is the work of the evangelist. Do the work of the evangelist but there are people who are specifically gifted into this. And so I, just, I want to encourage you that the, just to be open to this, to be praying for this, to just be sensitive to where God's leading. I am, I'll, share, I'll finish one last story because I'm pretty sure she's going to hear this and it'll be really interesting to see what her feedback is. So my cousin Mary, who came to village like about a month ago or something like that, and you guys made feel really welcome, um, she's, she's had a number of really big significant challenges that she's faced. One we prayed for a long time ago when she was facing cancer and, um, and she found healing about that. It's been amazing. And so we're driving along and so she's up here for a week. We're driving along, she's in the passenger seat and she says to me, all right, I've got, I've, I've got to ask you a question. I said, okay, I'm, I'm good. And she goes, what's it with this Jesus thing? So she said, right? So she's not a Christian. But she said, what is it with this Jesus thing? Like, I, I get a lot of the other God stuff but the Jesus thing has got me completely stumped. And the first words that came out of my mouth, I didn't, it wasn't, uh, the first words, I said, um, um, when you look at Jesus, that's God with flesh on. And then I proceeded, this is quite funny, I proceeded to uh, extrapolate on that and explain this. And I'm talking, talking, talking. And then when I kind of ran out of stuff to say, she says, oh, that first thing you said was really good. <laughs> The first thing was, was more of God saying, oh, this is what I want to say. And me going, oh, yeah, I got this, I got this, yeah. Um, there are opportunities all the time. And so um, she will now have a reminder to go to Alpha and there's an Alpha around in a local church right near her house that she keeps saying, I'm going to get there. So, Mary, hope you've done that. Um, but people need us to articulate the hope we have in Christ. There comes a point when they go, I I, through every other means, I need verbal on this, I need it to make sense. And we need to just be willing and not be scared, but let them move toward that in their own time because we have the opportunity to give the reason for the hope that we have in God, which is Jesus. So let's pray. Loving God, we, um, we are so thankful for the relationships you've placed in our lives already of people who who you just want them to know you love them so much. And so use us this week to show that and to display that, to reveal it, whatever it looks like. Give us questions to ask people that lead them in a different, different uh, avenue. Give us words to say that are just timely and beautiful and, and fit so well. Lord, encourage us to be more hospitable with our lives, to invite people into our lives more often in all sorts of ways, shapes and forms, that we might see your work unfold before us in the lives of others. Lord, you've called Burley Village Church to be a church that just loves and cares and reaches out to people to help us reach out this week. Give us courage and empower us, we pray. 
in your powerful name. Amen.